Did you know the tart cherries are an important superfood? When it comes to promoting metabolic health, they are a powerhouse. But if you're not looking to chug two cups of tart cherry juice a day, you need to know about new tart cherry gummies. Tart cherry gummies from the makers of Super B Tart Chews are an easy way to reduce inflammation from exercise, and they support immune health. Just two tart cherry gummies are the antioxidant equivalent of 16 ounces of tart cherry juice or 100 cherries. They're vegan, non-GMO, they have zero sugar, and are simply delicious. Tart Cherry Gummies come with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Try them risk-free for 90 days and see how you feel. If you don't love them, send them back, no questions asked. Right now, you can get up to 35% off Tart Cherry Gummies plus free shipping at buytartcherry.com slash Dana. This is their best offer available anywhere. That's buytartcherry.com slash Dana for up to 35% off Tart Cherry Gummies. Buytartcherry.com slash Dana. All right, it is a Friday afternoon. Dana is off today, but it's me, Rich Zioli from WPHD in Philadelphia with you on a rainy, wet Friday, probably wherever you are. Happy pre-Christmas Eve. Happy Hanukkah. We got a lot to talk about today, including, of course, the Senate Republicans who helped the Democrats pass the $1.7 trillion omnibus bill and we're still learning about it we're still learning about all the nonsense that's in it and i'm going to tell you about a state that has just passed some of the most draconian gun laws in the country an absolute slap in the face to the united states supreme court which of course just said a state cannot overly restrict the right to conceal carry for their citizens but leave it to blue new jersey to do it anyway and they are getting sued by second amendment groups across the country but it's amazing how these states just say to the Supreme Court, ah, we don't really care about your ruling. We're going we're gonna to just do an end run around you. They scream all the time about, oh, we have to respect the judiciary, except when they don't like the, the rulings by the court. In which case, then they just go around it and do whatever they want to do. Absolute lawlessness. And I will share that with you as well. Plus, of course, you can no longer say sir or ma'am in the Marine Corps. At least that's what the potential plan is. So they, them, will be even woker than we ever thought in our enemies are laughing at us of course but as long as we don't offend our enemies as we're blowing them up that's the key point just don't offend them as we're mowing them down on the battlefield because honestly truly you kill them all you want but if they get offended because you're misgendering them that's where the real problem comes in but let me turn your attention to something that just broke a short time ago and this makes me very very happy you're probably familiar with what's known as esg which is environmental social and governance it's a movement that's been going on for the better part of the last year and the thing about it is that it's it's the wokest example of how corporations and investment firms are trying to go woke and then realizing that it does not make them money so esg environmental social and i really say it's grievance more than governance but it's all kinds of things it's it's 401ks and mutual funds and company retirement plans colleges all divesting from example oil companies or gun manufacturers or anything that they don't like anything that they figure is not woke they will take their money and walk away from it now they're all losing money that's the thing and it's costing the taxpayers a lot of money because for many of these these states their pension funds have to go and pay for the retirement of a whole lot of state workers for years to come and if they're deciding to move money out of funds that are making them actual money in favor of this woke esg nonsense that means that the taxpayers could be on the hook for this it also means tuitions at colleges can rise even more it also means that potentially now your retirement savings can plummet and this is happening all across the country. 
Now, some firms have wisely recently pulled back from this and said, our job is to make money. Our, our job is not to be woke. Our job is to make the maximum return of investment for the people that invest in our funds. And that's what we're going to do. Well, now, Republicans on the House Judiciary Committee, led by Ohio Representative Jim Jordan, issued a letter to Steering Committee Executive for Climate Action 100 Plus, Mindy Luber and Samiso Nzima. The letter outlines antitrust violation concerns related to ESG practices. Now, what I love about this is Jim Jordan is, is, is the freaking best, right? He's great. And he is going to do so much for the oversight aspect of the House Republican takeover. In just a few weeks, Republicans are going to take over. They're going to have oversight into Fauci, gain-of-function research, the FBI, and their absolute involvement in branding the Hunter Biden laptop as Russian disinformation. They're going to be able to look into all of this, the spying on American citizens, the involvement by our federal law enforcement in politics, trying to effectuate the outcome of elections. They're going to be able to look into all of it. And I think there's a lot of people in Washington who are very, very nervous about this right now. Because let's face it. For years, Democrats have been getting away with anything they wanted. Anything. They cover up the lab leak from China and the Wuhan virus because it, it absolutely points that Fauci was the one with the gain-of-function research money behind this entire thing. They, they ignore the FBI Twitter files and how the FBI was working with Twitter to silence you, suppress you, and also, of course, to do the bidding for the Bidens and the Democrats. And the media ignores all that, and Democrats ignore these things, and they don't want to talk about these things. But the Republicans are going to. And, of course, the oversight into the Biden crime family as well. And what was actually on the Hunter Biden laptop, which is evidence that Hunter was taking money from China and Ukraine and other entities, and that Joe, yes, the president of the United States, was taking a little bit of that cheddar cheese, you know what I mean? Wetting his beak a little bit, 10% for the big guy. I mean, that's what led to the laptop going into the FBI's hands in the first place. Remember when John Paul Mac Isaac, the Delaware computer repair shop owner, was handed the laptop by Hunter, who was probably cracked out of his mind and forgot that he gave it to him. And then in the course of trying to repair the laptop from water damage, because he probably dropped it in a pool when he was with a Russian hooker, they realized, he realized that all of these emails were there. All the evidence was there pointing to Hunter Biden making money and then Joe Biden making money. Hunter doesn't come pick up the laptop. He calls the FBI. The FBI gets a subpoena and comes and takes the laptop. And then we never hear from it ever again. Because I think the ultimate goal of the FBI was to just bury it by taking it. And then it was over, they thought. And then they would, they would protect the Biden family by hanging on to that laptop. And any evidence of Joe Biden's involvement with his son's business dealings goes away. They thought. Except... John Paul MacIsaac was smart enough to let Rudy Giuliani know. And, of course, Rudy Giuliani would tell Miranda Devine of the New York Post. And the FBI would know all that, too, because they were spying on Rudy. Not that they would ever charge him with anything. In fact, that whole months-long operation of surveilling him and spying on him and raiding his offices and going through his files resulted in absolutely nothing. And recently, they just let him know, yeah, yeah, we're not going to pursue anything against you. I don't think they ever were. There's an old saying, which is, the process is the punishment. So just by going into somebody's life like this or by sending the FBI to somebody's house, like a pastor in Bucks County, for example, Mark Houck, who did nothing wrong, but it doesn't matter. They show up at his house on a Sunday morning, the big SUVs, the heavily armed guys, the vests, the whole thing, like, the, you know, the cosplay video game guys. And they're all there at his house, intimidating him and his family on a Sunday morning, scaring his kids. Nothing's going to come of it, but it's the process is 
the punishment. Well, the Republicans are going to have oversight into all of these things, which is a beautiful thing. And now this ESG nonsense. We're writing to you because of your rules coordinating how some companies pursue environmental, social, and governance policies in ways that may violate antitrust laws. Each of you is on the steering committee for Climate Action 100+, which seems to work like a cartel to, quote, ensure the world's largest corporate greenhouse gas emitters take necessary action on climate change. Now, the Republicans tweeted out a portion of the letter along with a quote that reads, ESG is at its heart radical partisan activism masquerading as responsible corporate governance. These corrosive practices may violate our nation's antitrust laws, and we must be relentless in investigating them. In addition to climate change, the Republicans say that these ESG goals have gone far beyond climate change activism and can include other policy concerns such as fake news dissemination, gun control, access to abortion. None of these funds should have anything to do with any of those things. The the only thing these funds should have something to do with is making their investors money. But what happens is colleges go and indoctrinate our school children. Well, I mean, public schools do, and then colleges double down on it, of course. And then they graduate, and they're super woke, and they go to corporations, and they infiltrate the corporations like viruses. And then the corporations become woker and woker. And they turn around and say, all right, well, we got to make sure that none of our employees 401k is doing anything that would help Smith and Wesson or Exxon or any of these other companies. In fact, we want to make sure that our money is going to solar projects and windmills because we don't actually care about killing the birds. These giant deli slicers in the sky that just kill eagles all the time. And so we want to make sure that our company's funds are doing this. And then these these funds out there, these hedge funds and others and BlackRock, they wind up going down this road. And repositioning their investments to go with these woke liberal activist policies. And they start pursuing activism. And at the same time that they're doing this, they're hurting our country. They're hurting our country because if if nobody's investing in the oil companies anymore, then that's going to hurt their ability to do research and development, for example. And colleges are bragging about this. None of our money, none of our money from our, our, our little woke funds will go towards any of these evil companies that are making the world dirtier and just contributing to climate change and destroying our planet. So they divest from these things. And it should not be this way. But the question that the Republicans are asking is, is there an antitrust coordination that's happening that's going on And that these entities are all working together because they say woke corporations are collectively adopting and imposing progressive policy goals that American consumers do not want or do not need. And individual companies use of corporate resources for progressive aims might violate fiduciary duties or other laws, harming its viability and alienating consumers. But when companies agree to work together to punish disfavored views or industries or to otherwise advance environmental, social and governance goals, this coordinated behavior may violate antitrust laws and harm American consumers. They cited a June op-ed published in The Wall Street Journal by Sean Feeler. Sean is the president of Equinox Partners. His op-ed outlined how the ESG movement is a ripe target for antitrust action. He wrote the following, advancing the ESG agenda requires that the owners of capital collude. Yes, actual collusion, collude to restrict the supply of certain goods and services. 
ESG standards have effectively crushed oil and gas production in this country. Regardless of the colluding party's motivations, this is a textbook antitrust violation. Arizona Republican Attorney General Mark Bronovich, he has an antitrust investigation into the Climate Action 100 Network, which was launched in November 2021. Here's what's happening. The biggest banks and money managers in our country seek to implement a political agenda, such as compliance with the Paris Climate Accord. Then a group mobilizes. Climate Action 100, for example, comprised of hundreds of big banks and money managers that together manage $60 trillion. The group uses its coordinated influence to compel companies to shut down coal and natural gas plants. The activism can include pushing climate goals at shareholder meetings and voting against directors and proposals that don't comport with the agenda, even if other decisions may benefit their investors. 19 states attorneys general sent a letter back in August of 2020 to BlackRock, the largest asset management group in the world, that warned them of potential antitrust violations associated with their ESG activities. As of October, a number of state treasurers have already pushed, pulled, excuse me, pulled a billion dollars in taxpayer funds from BlackRock's management per the New York Post. And so all of this means that Republicans are going to do their job because not only does this hurt people that are trying to make money as a return, it's also hurting our country. And it's another example of woke breaking the law, actually breaking the law, antitrust law, something that nobody talks about, but we should because it's costing us in this country a lot of money and making us very weak when it comes to our energy independence. This is the Dana Show. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for Dana. So glad you're here on this Friday, and we're coming right back. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Five quick things to let you know about on this Friday afternoon with me, Rich, in for Dana. First of all, a Florida high court has okayed the grand jury probe of COVID-19 vaccines. This is a big win for Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida, as you know, and it's a big loss for Big Pharma. We don't actually have regulatory agencies in this country. The FDA, the CDC, they don't regulate Big Pharma because every bureaucrat who works there is just trying to get a job with Big Pharma and make more money when they leave the bureaucracy. So it's up to guys like Ron DeSantis to hold these companies accountable if they're not being truthful with side effects and other potential things like death for myocarditis in certain age groups. So good for him. This is a big win as the Florida Supreme Court okays that probe. And speaking of uh, people that are useless in Washington, Anthony Fauci, this guy doesn't seem to go away. He's like a he's like herpes or something. You can't get rid of him. We're living in a progressively anti-science era, he says, and that's a very dangerous thing. That's what Fauci said. You know what he means by that? Anybody who disagrees with him is anti-science. So you have to just go along with whatever a Santo Fauci says or you're anti-science. It's like those people that have the we believe in science signs on their yard. Yeah, they believe in science, right? Except for things like when life begins, for example. Uh, mask mandates fail to make a comeback despite pleas from public health experts. You know why? Because everybody has realized now they don't do anything. My favorite still are people that I see on the streets of Philadelphia walking around outside by themselves wearing a mask or 
or jogging with one, but still not nearly as fun as the people that wear a mask by themselves in their car because, you know, COVID could come through the vents. It's very possible. Tom Brady has never lost more games and still might make the playoffs because Tom Brady also will never, ever go away. And I think like Tom Cruise, he just keeps getting younger and younger. But I know we got a lot of Brady fans listening, but as an Eagles guy, I won't say anything. I'll just move on to the next story. The average American logs 10 sleepless nights every month. Are you one of those people having a tough time sleeping? I am. I'm a night owl. And I used to do morning radio, which was brutal because I'd have to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning. And I like going to bed at 4 o'clock in the morning. But the sleepless nights comes from things like stress over the economy. We're about to have the single most expensive Christmas we've ever, ever had. That's a quick five for you. We'll do this again in the next hour, of course, here on The Dana Show. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for Dana. So glad you're here. We're coming right back. Did you know the tart cherries are an important superfood? When it comes to promoting metabolic health, they are a powerhouse. But if you're not looking to chug two cups of tart cherry juice a day, you need to know about new tart cherry gummies. Tart cherry gummies from the makers of Super B Tart Chews are an easy way to reduce inflammation from exercise, and they support immune health. Just two tart cherry gummies are the antioxidant equivalent of 16 ounces of tart cherry juice or 100 cherries. They're vegan, non-GMO, they have zero sugar, and are simply delicious. Tart cherry gummies come with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Try them risk-free for 90 days and see how you feel. If you don't love them, send them back, no questions asked. Right now, you can get up to 35% off tart cherry gummies plus free shipping at buytartcherry.com slash Dana. This is their best offer available anywhere. That's buytartcherry.com slash Dana for up to 35% off tart cherry gummies. Buytartcherry.com slash Dana. Shooting down woke culture, one crazy headline at a time. It's the Dana Show. Let me be clear to those 18 United States senators. That alone, that alone should have been enough to have you vote no on this bill. And yet you voted for it. It should have been enough that we're giving another $600 million to the FBI and building a new headquarters. It should have been enough that there's more money for ATF and all sorts of provisions to go after law-abiding gun owners. Yes, 18 Republican senators voted for the $1.7 trillion omnibus bill. I'm going to name those names for you. Welcome back to The Dana Show. It's me, Rich Zioli from WPHD in Philadelphia, part of the Odyssey family. Great to be in for my friend Dana today and great to be with you. So 18 Republican senators they're traitors. I mean, they are. They're really, they they truly are. And I'll tell you the reason why. It's not just the money, although it's a, obviously a ton of cash. It's not just that. There's something else, too, that I don't think enough people are focusing on when it comes to this story. I'll tell you what that is in just a second. But here are the 18 names. Blunt, Boozman, Capito, Collins, Cornyn, Cotton, Graham, Inhofe, McConnell, Moran, Murkowski, Portman, Romney, Rounds, Shelby, Thune, Wicker, and young. That's right. Yes, in fact, these 18 Republicans, not only did they just vote to spend a ton of cash, uh, billions of dollars of earmarks, 
expanding the power of the of the, uh, of the deep state with the FBI and the and other three letter agencies, investing money for democracy expansion in Venezuela, fifty million dollars. You might as well just light it on fire. Just take fifty million dollars and just literally set it on fire. It'll be way more productive than using that to try to advance democracy in Venezuela. But here's the real reason why this is so problematic. It's December 23rd, Christmas, the new year, and then the cavalry comes in. The Republicans take over the House. And when they take over the House of Representatives, they get to control the spending bills because revenue bills, as you know, are supposed to originate in the House of Representatives. So you're about to have Republican control. And instead, these 18 Republican senators sided with the Democrats to effectively take a giant sledgehammer to the knees of the Republican leadership in the House of Representatives that's about to be the majority come this January. Because this funds the government through October of 2023, which means Republicans don't get to do anything about spending for about a year, for really for about a year. And they'll probably have to pass a continuing resolution at that point or something, and the game will continue and continue and continue. Now, they could have just... They could have just said, we're going to keep the government for another two weeks. Here's some money to keep the operations going for two weeks, and then we'll let the new guys deal with it when they get in charge, Kevin McCarthy and the others, and they get in charge in January. They, they could have done that, but they didn't do that. Why didn't they do that? Two reasons. Number one, these rhino liberal Republicans do not agree with the spending priorities of conservative Republicans in the House. That's number one. But number two is because of what I said at the start of the show, the oversight aspect of this. The House Republicans are going to have oversight into the ESG nonsense and all these firms out there, BlackRock and everything else, if they're violating antitrust laws in this country. They're going to have oversight into Fauci and Francis Collins, the NIH, the NSAID, and all of the funding for gain-of-function research in the WIV, the Wuhan Institute of Virology. They're going to have oversight into the FBI's work in advancing the Bidens and covering up the Hunter Biden laptop story and also branding it as Russian disinformation, spying on American citizens and suppressing their freedom of speech. Republicans are going to have oversight into all of these things. And the power of oversight is the power of the purse, really. You know, despite what the January 6th committee did, it's actually unconstitutional for Congress to make referrals for criminal prosecution. That's not the Congress's job. The Constitution is very clear. Article 1 empowers Congress to be the legislative branch. Federal prosecutions are done through the executive branch of government vis-a-vis the FBI or the DOJ or the ATF or any of the other 153-letter agencies out there with the power of, of, of guns and arrests and everything else. Congress does not have that power, and they also are prohibited from doing bills of attainder, which is also a constitutional prohibition against Congress naming names like the Brits did to us at the start of, the, of our country. You know, the Brits were doing that all the time. They would literally pass names of people that they wanted to be prosecuted and ultimately executed as traitors and everything else. So we put a provision in the Constitution to literally ban Congress from doing that. And yet that's exactly what the January 6th committee just did when they made the criminal referrals of Donald Trump and others to the Department of Justice. And the Department of Justice has no, they don't need a congressional referral. They don't want it. It's irrelevant to them because everything the January 6th committee did in that moment like they've been doing the entire time, was purely for theater. It was, it was theatrical. It was a show. The whole thing was a show. 
But I digress. The point is that the power of the oversight comes to the power of the purse. So these Republicans can have the FBI officials standing in front of them or sitting and they can say to them, we want to understand exactly what has been going on in your agency since 2015 when you first started started spying on the Trump campaign, when you first started copying and pasting, literally copying and pasting sections of text from the infamous P dossier, which was a Fugazi, a total phony. And then putting the, 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 the copy and pasted text into applications for FISA warrants to spy on American citizens who are just simply trying to run a presidential campaign. And then we want to go into Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, the two lovebirds and his gumata and how they were working very, very diligently to, and I'll quote her, will stop him from becoming president of the United States. And we want to know exactly how much this guy Jim Baker who was the general counsel for the FBI until he became the general counsel for Twitter how much this deep state crony was involved in all of those things the the dossier Russian collusion going all the way up to his work at Twitter to silence conservatives ban Donald Trump from the platform and yes work in the big tech world to ensure that everybody thought the Hunter Biden laptop story was Russian disinformation and that he worked with his deep state buddies, guys like Brennan and Clapper, a whole a whole uh, rogues gallery of deep state tyrants who hate liberty and love to use the power of government to intimidate their own citizens, our own citizens. Those 50 people that signed that letter saying the Hunter Biden laptop looks suspiciously like Russian disinformation. I mean, we're not saying it is, but it looks like it. I mean, we're not saying that it is. Understand this, but it really looks like it has all the hallmarks of Russian disinformation. So what I want to know is when the FBI sits there in front of the House Oversight Committee and, and they're under oath and they have to go through all of this and they've got to explain themselves because they got a lot of explaining to do. And I want to understand, and I'm sure you want to understand as well, just how involved the Federal Bureau of Investigation was in our political system. Because when I was in college, I remember this many, many years ago. I mean, not, not that many, but, you know. And I was uh, learning about political philosophy. And I was lucky because I had a professor who was actually not woke. And we learned about various political philosophies. But I remember learning about what a police state is. And a police state, the actual definition is when the government uses its federal law enforcement or its federal intelligence operation, whatever. And, and these things are all so intertwined now since 9-11. For politics, for political purposes, to try to advance certain candidates, to try to stop others, to suppress the citizenry with their dissent. I mean, those are all the things that our federal law enforcement and intelligence communities did in 2016 and 2020. So it's not an exaggeration. It's not hyperbole when I come out and say we in the United States of America are living in a police state. Like the left will scream about that if there's, you know, cops on horseback or using tear gas against protesters not obviously not Black Lives Matters protesters or Antifa, not them, obviously, but, you know, other protesters because they would never do that to those protesters who are not protesters. They're rioters burning down American cities and there's not going to be any congressional investigations into that. Duh. No, we're living in a police state in the United States of America because our intelligence community is actively engaged in politics and has been for Almost a decade. I mean, it may go back even further. We, we just, I think, are scratching the surface of all this. But we can definitively say they were involved in 2016 in trying to stop Trump and also in 2020 start trying to stop Trump. We know this. We can see this. The Twitter files expose all this for us. Just just like the, the lovebirds, Peter Strozak and Lisa Page, 
struck, but New Jersey Congresswoman Bonnie Watson Coleman just kept calling him Mr. Strozak one day during the hearing, and I cannot get that out of my head. So every time I think of that creep Peter struck, I always I always hear myself saying Mr. Strozak. She's a real congressional genius, as you can imagine. So him and Lisa Page, and we'll stop them, and all the nonsense that they did, and the spying on Americans, abusing the FISA court, and all these powers that we gave our government under the guise of keeping us safe from terrorists. Except now we know the terrorists are you and me. Got a Gadsden flag? Got a little Don't Tread on Me sticker or maybe on your license plate or maybe you walk around with a MAGA hat on or maybe you post things on social media about taking back our country? Yeah, well, they're flagging all that stuff, you know, because they have to they have to prove that there are domestic violent extremists just everywhere, hiding in shadows, just waiting for the call for another insurrection at any moment now. Jim Jordan, as the incoming chair of the Judiciary Committee, who will really be in charge of all this oversight, has detailed FBI whistleblowers who've come out on the record and said, we don't have examples of domestic violent extremism, but it's the goal of this administration to make it so. So we're being told by our superiors to exaggerate any possible link you can make. And they're making stuff up because they've got to meet their quota for domestic violent extremists, only it's not there. And in this recent omnibus bill, again, a massive surge of cash for preventing domestic violent extremism. Oh, yeah. And and more cash, like you heard Congressman Chip Roy say in that clip as we started the segment, more cash for the FBI, for their headquarters and all their activities and everything else. But the reason why these 18 Republican senators really screwed the Republicans in the House is because without the power of the purse, the power of oversight just doesn't go nearly far enough. You you, you sit there and you have these FBI officials in front of you and you say, I want to understand on the record right now just how engaged in politics you people were and are. And until we get a fair accounting of everything that took place and we understand the extent of your political activism in the Department of Justice, you're not getting another penny. You're not getting a single cent from us. And whatever other well-meaning priorities your, your agency is supposed to do, they're all on hold. They're on hold because this is more important to our nation's security. We can't be a free country if our federal law enforcement and intelligence community is, uh, is, is overthrowing elections. We, we are not a free country. We're not a republic if our political system can be hijacked by federal law enforcement with all their vast powers from subpoenas and warrants and spying and, yes, the power to intimidate media outlets, big tech, American citizens— All for political outcomes. So, yeah, maybe other priorities that are legitimate criminal justice pursuits, legitimate law enforcement pursuits will be put on hold. But that's that's okay because there might be bad guys out there, but they're they're no match for the bad guys in Washington who are working to make sure that Joe Biden defeats Donald Trump for president in 2020 and worked really hard to make sure that Hillary Clinton would win in 2016. Failed, obviously, but they were successful in 2020. And the minute that that Hunter Biden laptop story came out and these guys had worked so hard to let everybody in the big tech world know that this was going to be Russian disinformation. We need an accounting of these people. And by kneecapping these House Republicans like the way these Senate Republicans have done, they have weakened their oversight ability as they fund the deep state and empower them to be almost immune from oversight.
This is the Dana Show. It's me, Rich Zioli from WPHD in Philadelphia. Great to be with you. We're coming right back. Your one-stop shop for the information you need to fight back. If you're going to have to learn stuff, you might as well enjoy it. The Dana Show. It is the Dana Show, and I was just uh, noticing this this mom who's gone viral for banning Christmas toys for her kids this year, and she says they'll thank me down the road. Now, I have an 8-year-old, a 6-year-old, and a 2-and-a-half-year-old. My kids are so excited for Christmas. I, I can't imagine banning toys. I, just, I, I, I can't fathom this. I understand her point, which is that she says this stuff's very materialistic and it's a bunch of crap and junk and you're going to throw it out. But I don't know. I mean, they get their whole lives to be disappointed and just let them play on Christmas morning with their toys. I don't I, I, I love the joy of giving them gifts. I mean, Santa, obviously, but you know, that little elf on the shelf, that little spy reporting back to the North Pole how my kids are doing, really priming them for the deep state. You know, that's what the elf on the shelf is there for. Just get the kids ready for the surveillance state. I'm curious what you think about that, of this idea of banning Christmas toys for the kids. And obviously, I mean, Christmas has gotten way too commercialized. It's way too materialistic. I do agree with all those things. But I think that when kids are little, I don't know, I mean... I just, I think the, the the disappointment that they would have if they came downstairs and there was there's socks. Because this is his mom says, and it's not that they can't afford it. It's not that. They have the money. It's just they, they literally don't want their kids to get any toys. And they told everybody, don't give our kids toys. Just give them socks or experiences. Experiences are good, though. I do, I do agree with that. If you can try to find a way to do that stuff, great. But to ban toys on Christmas? Come on, for little kids, I just, to me, that just seems grinchy and scroogey. But some people have said, well, you know, but she's she's doing the right thing here, this mom, because uh, they don't need to have trendy toys. They don't need to have stuff that's just going to be clutter and junk and everything else like this. There's 27,000 moms under the trending hashtag, hashtag no Christmas gifts. And they're saying they don't want to send their have their kids have any of this stuff. We prefer that our kids enjoy a valuable experience for Christmas rather than a bunch of toys that they may or may not play with or appreciate. She says. Still, she admitted that her tykes are having a really hard time understanding what a holiday is without a bonanza of presents. Her seven-year-old daughter was particularly apprehensive about her mom's new policy. She said, "Well, why can't we just get this toy or that toy?" But we remind her to be happy with what she already has and that instead of toys, we can plan trips like going skiing in Big Bear or to Disneyland. (laughs) There's a lot of parents out there that can't afford to take their kids skiing in Big Bear or to Disneyland. So getting their kids some toys is about the best they can do. And I don't know, it seems this 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 to me comes across kind of wokey and and privileged a little bit, as 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 they always say on the left. Right. It's very privileged. You know, well, kids, you're not getting toys to play with because we want to teach you the real meaning of Christmas. So instead, we're going to take you on a 10 day Caribbean cruise. I mean, I don't know. I just uh, like I'm calling BS on that. You know what I mean? I'm calling BS. Let, Let the kids play with the toys. All right. Let them play. This is the Dana show. It's me, Rich Zioli in for my friend Dana Lash. And so great to be with you. We got a lot more to talk about, including what it means, the House Judiciary Oversight Probes and gun laws in New Jersey. Don't go away. It's folded into a 4,155-page bill, one that was negotiated in secret by four or five members of Congress, held secret from the public until Tuesday morning. Larry, there's not a human alive who can digest 4,155 pages of legislative appropriations text in that short a period of time. It's one of the reasons why this should never happen. Republicans 
in particular who do this uh, should be asked to never, ever do it again. We will self-destruct as a party if this ever happens again. That's Senator Mike Lee, and he's exactly right, and it will happen again. That's the problem. Welcome back to The Dana Show. It is me, Rich Zioli from WPHD in Philadelphia, part of the Odyssey family. Always great to be in for my friend, Dana Lash. She's terrific, and I hope you're having a wonderful day. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas, Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate with your friends and your family, and Happy New Year as well. You know, I was uh, I was noticing Senator Rand Paul does his annual uh, list of grievances, his festivist grievances of things, just absolute waste of money things. Like, for example, the National Institutes of Health spent two point one million dollars on encouraging Ethiopians to wear shoes. That's an actual thing that they spent money on. $2.1 million. Why can't we spend $2.1 million? If we're going to spend $2 million, is there no domestic priority in this country that that money could go to serve? Uh, To encourage Ethiopians to wear shoes, $2 million. All right. Well, you couldn't get the big shoe companies to spend that money? I mean, it seems like they're the ones who benefit from it, right? The Department of Defense spends $28 million on camouflage that you can see. Makes perfect sense to me. Why would it be camouflage you can't see? That would make no sense. National Institutes of Health spent $2.3 million injecting puppies with cocaine. Now, I mean, that seems like a waste of perfectly good cocaine, if you ask me. And, of course, there is the uh, classic here in Senator Rand Paul's festivist grievances. Fauci is in the lead. For government officials doing dumb or evil things, but he's far from the only one. There's a lot of what Fauci did, of course. Beaglegate, seven labs, one scandal, the White Coat Waste Project. Um, White Coat Waste Project is a very interesting group. I had them on my show in Philadelphia the other day. I host the Afternoon Drive show there. And I had them on, and we were talking about, they're celebrating the fact that if there's any silver lining in the recent omnibus bill that passed, it's this. They've banned gain-of-function research again. And no more money to the WIV, the Wuhan Institute of Virology. And no more money for these other sleazy biolabs. Because we're, we're, we're funding biolabs across the country in some very dark places, including Russia. That's the good news. However, there's a long way to go with this. And the White Coat Waste Project has done a really good job of aligning conservative groups with their group because their group is against animal testing. And obviously, when you look at what gain-of-function research was, gain-of-function research was injecting mice with these very highly contagious and deadly coronaviruses, back coronaviruses, that they were tinkering with in the lab for the purposes of making Frankenstein's monster to unleash him on the village to see how you stop Frankenstein's monster. And that's what they were doing. And that's how we got this virus that we're all dealing with still, the coronavirus, which now they're saying millions of new cases are happening in China right now. And so Dr. Marty McCarry was tweeting out, he wouldn't be surprised if there's another variant because of how close their proximity is to each other in China. I just wouldn't be surprised if there's a new variant because this, this thing was invented in a laboratory. It's not, it doesn't come from nature. It didn't come from some guy ordering an undercooked bat burger. It came from a laboratory leak. Now, the leak could have been accidental or it could have been intentional. I happen to believe it was absolutely intentional by the Chinese Communist Party and the Chinese military. But we'll never prove any of this stuff because Fauci and Francis Collins and all these other bureaucrat sleazeballs covered their tracks by early on calling anybody who suggested that this happened a conspiracy theorist. Yes, a conspiracy theorist. 
Department of Defense spends real, r- roughly $200,000 on Starbucks espresso machines. Look, I like a good espresso like the next guy, but why can't these bureaucrats buy their own freaking coffee? That's what I want to know. They even have coffee you can buy and make it work now. It's true. The little powder things you put into a cup. It's amazing how that happens. And yeah, this all adds up, obviously. It adds up a lot. But again, nobody cares. We're going to add another trillion dollars to our national debt, and nobody cares because Republicans stopped being the fiscal watchdogs a long time ago. They really, I mean, when Republicans come out and go, no, 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 we're going to really get spending under control, please. Title 42 is over unless the United States Supreme Court says we're going to keep it in place. But the problem is the administration and the Department of Justice is saying we don't want to keep it in place. We don't want to keep Title 42 in place. You know, this omnibus bill has no funding for border security when it comes to actually securing our border. It is funding for border patrol, but nothing that can be used, actually expressly prohibited from being used to secure our border. But it's got lots of Border Patrol funds for countries around the world, in the Middle East, for example, to beef up their borders, just not our own border. And Title 42, and this is the game that the Biden administration is playing right now, they are the reason Title 42 is going away. They sued to end it. So a judge granted their request. Now the Department of Justice is in court saying they agree with a temporary hold on Title 42, but that's only through the holidays. And then they say no more Title 42 running the border, controlling the border with a pandemic health emergency that's three years old is no way to secure a border. So we want to just use Title 8, no Title 42. And that's interesting because I hear the administration keep saying we're still in a pandemic. Joe Biden was on 60 Minutes a couple months ago and said the pandemic's over. But Fauci quickly came out and said, no, 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 no. That's that's crazy. No, we still have a pandemic. And we got to be very, very scared and very, very careful. They said all those things. So down at the border, there apparently is no pandemic. Joe Biden's down there right now, and his attorneys are anyway, saying that there's no need to be able to kick people out of this country who are crossing the country illegally because of a public health emergency. Yet, you turn on the news and what do you hear? You hear the tridemic. The triple-demic of flu, COVID, and RSV. You hear that kids can't get Tylenol. Like children's Tylenol and children's ibuprofen, you can't get it. So parents are hoarding it. Kids can't get antibiotics that they need. You know, for kids when they need antibiotics, as you know, if you're a parent or grandparent, they have to, it's usually that powder stuff or liquid stuff they got to mix up for the kids. Well, they're having a hard time getting that and moxicillin and some others. They're having a shortage of that. Why? Because all these drugs come from China. That's why. And we still have not learned our lesson. Three years into this pandemic, we have still not learned our lesson, so we're still relying on China to make the life-saving drugs that we need. And yes, it is life-saving if you're a parent who's got a sick kid and you need to give them Tylenol to bring their fever down and you can't get it. That's it's very, very dangerous. It's also dangerous for your sanity because they're probably going to be up on like crying. So that's very bad for your liver then. That's how that works too. But this is this is where we are right now as a country. On the one hand, you turn on TV and the media does their usual thing. The triple-demic, everybody, holidays, are going to get... Like in Philadelphia, when the kids come back from Christmas break or winter break, excuse me, I don't want to offend anybody, when they come back from winter break, they're going to have to wear masks for 10 days. Kids in, in, in schools in Philadelphia, they're going to have to do that again this year. 
But down at the border, nah, there's no pandemic. Nobody's sick and nobody's getting RSV and nobody has the flu down there and nobody has COVID. None of that stuff. So there's no reason to use Title 42 to kick anybody out who crosses the border illegally because nobody's sick. Nobody gets sick down there. Come on, man. Now, meanwhile, the Biden administration is also in court arguing that the student debt forgiveness, you know, the, this big payoff to rich, woke white, woke white liberals in this country who have master's degrees and advanced degrees in art history. That needs to happen. Why? Because the pandemic has been so hard on these Americans that we have to cancel billions of billions of dollars in student loans that they haven't been paying for three years with no interest accruing. But it's been so bad. We have to cancel this. And that the president has this extraordinary power because of COVID to do it. And that's the argument before the United States Supreme Court that's going to play out. So which is it? When it comes to the border, no pandemic. When it comes to student loan debt, super duper bad pandemic. Uber duper really bad. I mean, you can't keep track of how these people talk out of both sides of their mouth. And the question that I keep asking is, when will this thing end? And the answer is it never will. There will always be a pandemic as long as they can keep it in place for two reasons. Number one, they love controlling us. Number two, they love controlling the money. It's all about accomplishing a couple different things when it comes to the money. It's being able to do things like cancel student loan debt. It's also being able to expand the number of people on Medicare. What nobody's telling you right now is that under the COVID emergency, they can expand the amount of people on Medicare, but once they're on there, they can't get kicked off. And the states really can't deny anybody the ability to get on Medicare right now because COVID. So as long as they keep this pandemic emergency going, they can essentially create universal health care. They can turn Medicare into the promise of universal health care that Barack Obama has always wanted. And as he controls the strings of Joe Biden, he will then achieve his vision and his destiny. That's what they're trying to do. Right now, under a pandemic emergency, the president of the United States has the ability to go outside of Congress, all these extra legal remedies that he can take, spending money, not having to worry about it even being appropriated. He can do these things. Now, you turn around, you look around, you go, there's no pandemic. And I don't think there is. I think we've all moved on. I think our lives are normal again. I think everybody's living their lives. We're dealing with this like an endemic. We always will be. But we still right now on the books in the United States of America have a pandemic emergency in place, except when it comes to the border. That's the one place where there is no pandemic, which is why they're arguing that Title 42 should go away. Now, we are experiencing, and if you're listening right now in Texas or another border state, to Dana's show, you know this. You see it firsthand. You live this firsthand. I live it every day in Philadelphia because our city is besieged by crime because we have a woke liberal prosecutor named Larry Krasner, who's a Marxist, who believes that criminals are the victims of society. But also, Philadelphia is ground zero for the fentanyl crisis in this country. They said that they, they stopped enough fentanyl from coming into this country to kill every single American. But that's only about 5% of the fentanyl that's getting in that they were able to stop. And the drug cartels, I couldn't believe this last week when I read this, but the Washington Post, yes, the conservative far-right Washington Post came out and said, yeah, the border is how the fentanyl is getting into this country. China brings us supplies. The Mexican drug lords make it in Mexico. They smuggle it over the border. They rent out Airbnbs in Southern California 
Why they don't use Verbo? I don't know. They use Airbnbs in Southern California, and from there, they transport the fentanyl all across the country to places like Philadelphia, where people are dying of this stuff. Literally dying. And it's happening every single day. So here's the other thing that Biden could do if he wanted to. He could declare a public health emergency just because of fentanyl at the southern border. Forget COVID, he could do that, but he doesn't want to. They don't want to secure the border. It's nothing they want to do. This is the Dana Show. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for Dana. We got a lot to talk about today. We're glad you're here. Don't go away. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Yes, it is the uh, Quick Five. And, you know, uh, the uh, amazing thing about everything that's so expensive right now is the price of food, obviously, as you're dealing with right now. But here's something else. Egg prices are surging to records because of the bird flu. That's right. The bird flu is hitting poultry flocks. So you're dealing with Biden's economy and inflation. I think I read somewhere egg prices are going up like 66% or something like that. And and now for Christmas, I'm sure you're probably making an egg casserole or maybe something with eggs in it. Well, you're going to pay more for that. And you can blame the bird flu, but also Joe Biden's economy as well. Um, a CNBC guest actually calls for more unemployment because very strong consumers are overheating the economy. That's actually a thing. Right around Christmas when retailers need people to buy stuff, lots and lots of stuff. You got this CNBC genius going out there and saying, listen, we need more unemployment because right now the economy is getting too strong because all these people are out there buying things. And we got to slow this down. Come on. And I'm just trying to understand where they find these people. I really do. Uh, here's something else, too. You know, I mentioned this earlier that the Marines have been told to stop using sir or ma'am to avoid misgendering people. Because obviously you can kill an enemy, but if you offend them with their pronouns, you've done something very, very terrible right there. But really, they're afraid that, uh, you know, if you might say yes, ma'am or yes, sir, but actually the person might be transgender. This is because the transgender movement now controls everything in this country when it comes to wokeism so that's why people are now putting their pronouns on linkedin and their profile he him she her they them they them is my favorite years ago you used to have to go to court to prove you had multiple personalities now you just put it in your pronoun bio it's very very helpful and a mom who paraded her drag queen son on good morning america actually complains about a pervert posting a photo of her minor child so she brings her son who's a transgender drag queen on Good Morning America, where they all go, yay, look at you. And then somebody posts a picture of that on social media, and they say, what a pervert you are to post a picture of a kid who was on one of the formerly highest-rated morning shows in America. Of course, nobody really watches those shows anymore, clearly. But this is what I mean. They love to exploit their children until they don't. And they do this all the time. And a nurse taped sexual abuse of patients, according to cops. He called it his Dexter collection. An employee at a Colorado hospital noticed that the lights were off in the ICU room and the curtain around the bed was drawn. She pulled back the curtain and found a disturbing sight. The patient was unconscious. Her gown pulled up to expose herself. And yeah, this is what this creep was doing. Snapping selfies of this. Oof. Makes you think twice about your medical care. All right, we got a lot more to talk about. It is the Dana Show. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for Dana. We're coming right back. Shooting down woke culture one crazy headline at a time. It's the Dana Show. It is so unconscionable for him not to go to the border and listen to the agents and people trying to 
control the border, what life is like along our southern border. The fact that he doesn't go shows to me he's disconnected and he doesn't give a d right. If he really gave a damn by the way, about we don't even have to the border, yeah, he doesn't have to right. drop uh, by the way, in the White House. Yeah, we don't even have get the your ass out of the White yet. House and I go did. to the border. Lindsay loves dropping the A word, does he not? He really does. Lindsay voted for the omnibus bill, Mr. Tough Guy, but he loves dropping the A word. Uh, let me uh, share these statistics with you. Customs and Border Protection sources tell Fox News total migrant encounters for year to date since October 1st. Okay. 575,409. 177,818 were expelled under Title 42. 397,591 released. This is since October 1st. Okay. Total migrant deaths, 86. Total rescues, 3,150. El Paso sector alone, 150,236 encounters since October 1st. First, it's December 23rd. So, you know, I guess if Lindsay wanted to be Mr. Tough Guy, instead of him dropping the A word on Fox News, what he could have done was demand that Congress put in Title 42 in the omnibus bill or he wouldn't vote for it because that's what he could have done. Mike Lee tried. You know, Mike Lee tried to get an amendment in there that would have required Title 42 to be part of the omnibus bill, and his own Republicans would not go for it, of course. And as part of what this massive spending orgy bill that went through was, including $858 billion in military spending, with and again, Lindsey Graham loves that. He loves the military spending. $772 0.5 billion in non-defense discretionary spending and 45 billion in aid for Ukraine and NATO allies. Chuck Schumer said, quote, the bill is so important to get done because it will be good for families, for veterans, our national security, even for the health of our democratic institutions. But not only is this bill bad, this bill does not include Title 42. Lee, Senator Mike Lee, called for a vote to cut funding for the Department of Homeland Security unless the Trump-era Title 42 policy remained in place. The policy has allowed the United States to enforce border control measures as a means to prevent the spread of communicable diseases during the COVID-19 pandemic. Schumer agreed to hold the vote on the amendment on Thursday, which would have needed a simple majority to pass, but also queued up a vote on another amendment from Senator Kirsten Sinema of Arizona that would have kept Title 42 in place and increased funding for immigration enforcement and processing. That amendment would have required 60 votes to pass. And Senator Mike Lee said, actually, Sinema's amendment was a ruse designed to provide political cover for people who recognize the crisis on the border and want to appear to be doing something about it. Both amendments failed to pass. Now, they did go to change the Electoral Count Act of 1887. They also went to, uh, to ban TikTok on government phones. They made revisions to the U.S. retirement system. But... Nothing on the border. Now, that's that's just shameful. You know, these 18 Republicans who voted for this bill had, had at least if they had had Title 42 back in there, maybe you could say that they saved some face, but they didn't even do that. 
They didn't even push for that. It would have been a simple majority to do so. And all Mitch McConnell had to do was to say to Chuck Schumer, Chuck, you want this to pass? You got to put Title 42 in it because I, I don't have the votes. I mean, the, the thing should not have passed. Don't get me wrong. I'm not suggesting it should have. But it's it's an even bigger just you know, blank you to each and every one of us in this country that it didn't pass without Title 42 when Senator Mike Lee had an amendment that would have just required a simple majority, 51 votes, to keep Title 42 in place. And you know that Democrats were not going to go for it. So the question is, why didn't Republicans go for it? Why didn't Republicans go for it? And why wasn't why wasn't Mitch McConnell insistent on at least that, at least that point? If he wasn't, if he wasn't going to be insistent on allowing a, a, a two-week extension of government funding to keep the country open or the government open, it's not the country, but the government open, which, and by the way, if you've ever been to Washington, D.C. this time of year, you know nobody's working in the federal government right now. I mean, yeah, the military's working and you have various security agencies working, but the bureaucracy goes home and they don't come back until early January. So it would really not have been the end of the world for non-essential employees to stay home a little bit when they're staying home anyway over the Christmas break, but I digress. The point is that McConnell could have said, we're not voting on this because the Republicans are about to take power in the House, and they're going to have the spending priority, so we're not going to push for this. But he didn't do that. He could have turned around and said, we're going to make sure that Title 42 is back in here. I know you're not happy about this bill. I know it spends a lot of money, but at least Title 42 will be back in here. Nope. Didn't even do that either. And that's what Mike Lee says. We will not exist as a party anymore if we keep doing this. And he's right. He's right. Because every single person knows that the humanitarian crisis at the border is heartbreaking. 86 migrants have died in 84 days. You know that? According to the Daily Caller, 86 migrants have died in 84 days. The statistics are stunning. Now I've got a cold blast in Texas, very, very cold at night in the desert. And yet this is happening right now because we're allowing people to come to this country. And then I love, don't you love the White House saying, well, the, the problem is all you wacky conservatives out there, you're the reason they're coming because you're telling everybody the border's open and it's not, but you're telling everybody it is. I love that too. Because, you know, if the border's not really open, and, and let's just say that guys like me and, and Greg Abbott and DeSantis and Dana and Tucker and other people are saying it is, but it's really not. That when the migrants get here and the illegal immigrants get here, they would they would come to a border that's what? Not really open, right? Except they get here and they find the border is open. So the theory from the White House is they're only coming because we're saying it's open. Democrats aren't saying it's open. We're saying it's open. And the drug lords hear that and they go, hey, do you know the border's open? I heard it on Tucker. I heard Dana talking about it the other day. So now all the, the, the drug smugglers and the human smugglers and illegal immigrants start coming to the country because they heard conservatives talking about it. And then they get here and they find out the border actually is open. <laughs> It'd be one thing if they got here and then all of a sudden they, they, they hit an invisible wall and they went, oh man, we all got punked. This border's not open. What are all these people on TV and radio saying anyway? All right, let's go home. And they all turned around and left. And then they would tell their friends, listen, don't believe what they're saying. The border's not actually open. I don't know why these conservative kooks are saying this every day. Thing couldn't be more closed. That was my, that was my, the, of everything I heard this week, that line from Corrine Jean-Pierre was probably my favorite. 
Biden's not saying the border's open. It's you people on the right saying it. It's not true, by the way. <laughs> 177,818 Title 42 expulsions and 397,591 people released into the country since October. Now, when Title 42 goes away, that means that you take that number, 177,818 since October, and add that to the total of people released. You see why we're all talking about an actual crisis that's happening here? But the Republicans could not even get Title 42 back in there because they didn't want it. They didn't insist on it. They didn't demand it. And there's Lindsay. You know, Lindsay's whining about we've increased defense spending. In fact, let's play that clip, please. This is Lindsey Graham here whining about defense spending again. Cut number six. I care about the men and women in uniform like you do. The Biden budget increased defense spending by 5%. Inflation is over 7%. So what did we do today? We increased defense spending by 10%. The Biden budget increased non-defense spending by 13 We flipped it. In the bill I voted for today, non-defense spending went up 5%. Defense spending went up 10%. The men and women of the military got a raise, and they got more money than inflation. And if you did nothing, you're reducing defense spending in a time of great danger. The process sucks. It was a train wreck. Yeah, in a time of great danger, we're, we're cutting defense spending. How about the defense of our southern border? I'm serious. How about that defense? Because, you know, defense is not just funding the military-industrial complex. Defense is also securing our country. So if you're so preoccupied, Lindsay, with not only dropping the A word, but also with our nation's defense, how about the southern border? How about our southern border, which is wide open right now, which is why hundreds of thousands of people since October have been released into our country. And Title 42 is about to go away. So if you're so concerned about our national security, well, then demand that. Join Senator Mike Lee and say, I'm not voting for this thing unless Title 42 is back in it. Period. And you would have been a vote that would have demanded Title 42 go back in to get your vote, which you were going to vote anyway. That's what I mean. These guys are frauds. They really are. They're a bunch of frauds. National security is more than just giving defense contractors money. Defense funding should be more than just buying more ships and planes and bullets. It should also be securing what is the actual ongoing threat to the United States homeland right now, which is our southern border. Not only for people bringing in viruses, but also bringing in fentanyl. I don't say it. it, it, I mean, am am I crazy to think that when you've got millions and millions of doses of fentanyl a year coming into this country and killing people and making our children addicted to this stuff and you are causing a, a we may lose a generation because of this stuff. Am I crazy to say that that's not very good in our nation's defense? It's not very good in our nation's national security interest. I mean, I would, I would think that that's kind of, a, of, of a, a basic point. All these people coming into our country illegally and what they're bringing strapped to their bodies, this, this awful, terrible drug of fentanyl, which is coming over the Mexican border. Washington Post was the one who admitted as much last week. I'm sure they didn't want to admit it, but they did. And then going to Southern California where the drug lords are renting the Airbnbs and then sending this throughout the country and people are dying because of this stuff. How is that not a threat to America's national security how is that not a threat to our defense but see guys like him they're, they're they take so much money from lobbyists for the defense contractors and the defense companies out there that that's all they think of that's all they think of 
And yeah, I mean, yeah, our soldiers should get a, a pay increase. Yes, of course. But that's that's not what we're talking about here. And don't you love the, the little game that they play? Which is that if you're against this bill, you, you're against the military. McConnell tries to play the same stuff, too. He plays the same little game. If you're against this, you're against our hardworking men and women in the military. It's exactly what the FBI said the other day in their response to the Twitter files. The FBI came out and said, this is all uh, this is all people that are just trying to weaken our country and besmirching the hard men and women, the hardworking men and women at the uh, FBI. They didn't deny anything in the Twitter files. And it's the game. This is the game that they play. But I think that everybody can agree on the fact that without Title 42, our country is a lot less secure. Our country is a lot less safe. And so for guys like Lindsey Graham, who make their priority about defense spending, the priority then should really be securing our southern border. And if that was the the one stipulation you could have had and forced them to vote on, you should have held your ground. Period. All right, it's the Dana Show. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for Dana today. Glad you're here. We got Florida Man coming up. Don't go away. The Dana Show. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. It's time for Florida Man. Yes, according to the Charlotte County Sheriff's Office, Cody Austin Terry... 28 years old, of Northport, Florida, was arrested on Monday. He was charged with accessing a computer or electronic device without authority, according to the news release from the Charlotte County Sheriff's Office. So according to the Sheriff's Office, a, 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 the victim in the case, a woman, took her iPhone to an iFixit store in Port Charlotte. She left it with the suspect for approximately two hours to be repaired. Deputies allege that Terry browsed the woman's files and discovered an explicit video saved to her device. He then allegedly texted the file to his phone. <laughs> Man. So a customer at iFixit located at 2221 Tamiami Trail in Port Charlotte noticed a video sent to an unknown number on her device and contacted the sheriff's office. Detectives determined the phone repair technician illegally accessed the customer's private files on her device and sent himself a copy of an explicit video that she had stored on it. Quote, when we engage the service of a company, we have an expectation of trust that the job will be done and our privacy protected. This young man not only violated that trust, but also broke the law. I encourage everyone to be cautious with your personal files on your electronic devices because once they get out, there is no telling how far they can go, said State's Sheriff Bill Prummel. Now, the victim discovered that the sent text message from her phone and noticed the video had been deleted from her device. You know, the idiot sends the, the text himself from her phone but doesn't delete the text that he sent himself from her phone. That's that's the most amazing part of the story is that you would think a guy who is, is has a job of repairing phones would at least know that if he's texting himself from her phone, there's going to be a record of it unless he deletes the text. But he didn't delete the text. He deleted the video on her phone. <laughs> Absolute moron. Uh, here's something else, too, that I wanted to mention as well. A Florida man was charged after stabbing his friend and accusing him of lying while telling a story.
So a Florida man has been charged after a night of drinking with his buddy that took a bad turn. I mean, we've all been there, right? According to the Pinellas Park Police Department, officers responded to a disturbance uh, 7.46 p.m. on Wednesday. So the guy was tying it on because, you know, it's 5 o'clock somewhere. Police arrived on the scene. They determined that this one guy had invited his friend over to his place for, for some drinks. They were drinking the booze. A verbal argument broke out that resulted in the one guy stabbing his friend with a knife twice. The fight broke out when the guy accused his friend of lying while telling a story about sending money to Vietnam. He began yelling at the victim and told him to leave. As the victim entered the kitchen to leave, he grabbed a knife and followed him into the garage, attacked his friend from behind while he was leaving the residence because he thought he was lying while telling him a story. Now, luckily, the guy's going to be okay. But uh, while the victim was being interviewed at the hospital, he said he believed that his friend was trying to kill him. The man was arrested and charged with attempted murder in the second degree. His bond had been set at $150,000. Boy, thank God he wasn't telling his friend about the size of a fish he caught. Because, you know, obviously nobody ever tells the truth about that. Everybody's always exaggerating that because then it could have turned really, really ugly. All right, we got a lot more to get to in the third hour of the show today, including some of the biggest lies the Biden administration is telling about the border and some of the biggest lies Joe Biden has told about joe biden that's right we got a lot more to get to it is the dana show it's me rich zioli in for dana so glad you're here on this christmas eve eve we're coming right back we become too divided but as tough as these times have been if we look a little closer we see bright spots all across the country the strength the determination the resilience that's long-defined america we're surely making progress Things are getting better. COVID law no longer controls our lives. Things are getting better. Boy, it feels that way, doesn't it? All right, right. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. It is the Dana Show. Dana's off today. Enjoying, of course, Christmas with her family. It's me, Rich Zioli from WPHT in Philadelphia, part of Odyssey. And great to be with you this afternoon. And we have an hour left together. So I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Shwarma, I believe, is what Nancy Pelosi just wished to to the American people. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not quite sure. I'll try to grab that one for you. I just saw that on the Twitters. But, uh, yeah. Speaking of Twitter, a couple of things that I wanted to mention. The issue of our government working with big tech to censor stories and censor you and, of course, to brand the Hunter Biden laptop as Russian disinformation and all that. Have you noticed how little coverage this is getting on the left? I mean, in the media and in general, but how nobody on the left seems to care about this. You know, Dana has to make money, obviously, for her radio show because it's not funded by the government. So when you support her great sponsors... And by the way, she sent me a wonderful gift box of Black Rifle Coffee just to thank me for filling in for her throughout the year. And I thought that was so great. I love Black Rifle Coffee. It was a really nice gift that she sent. But I mean, if you don't support her sponsors or my sponsors in Philly on WPHD, then we don't we can't be in business anymore. You know, that's how this works. But the thing about national public radio is that the government funds national public radio and it's not a surprise for anybody to think back to what national public radio said back when the hunter biden laptop story came out and the fact that they didn't cover it and their reason for not covering it literally was they they put out a a statement to their people that they're not going to cover things that they don't find interesting or not real stories so you see npr 
without doing any journalism whatsoever, confirmed the Hunter Biden laptop as being Russian disinformation, even though it wasn't, just by virtue of coming out and saying, please, we're not even going to cover this thing. It's so stupid. We're not even going to cover this because it's such a joke. So we're not even going to write about it. We're not even going to talk about it in our lame national public radio. Of course, by talking about it on national public radio, by saying it was lame and stupid, they were talking about it. It's like a, you know, when something is enigma wrapped inside a riddle or a a pretzel or something like that. But they did those things on purpose because they wanted to do the government's bidding because the government lapdogs pay for NPR. And so NPR knows, hey, you don't bite the hand that feeds you. And that's what they were doing. And National Public Radio, by the way, is getting more money in the gigantic omnibus bill that just came out. Well, sure. Why would why would anybody demand that National Public Radio be held accountable and turning around and saying, so in other words, whatever the government says, you just take their word for it. So in this case now, if, if 50 former national security hacks come out and say it's Russian disinformation and big tech says that too, you just go along with that? Because to actually do any journalism, to actually do any investigations, to actually do just pick up a phone and talk to somebody at the FBI, to even challenge the Federal Bureau of Investigation or any of those things? Well, you understand that that's something that national public radio can't be expected to do. So they just come out and go, this is stupid. We're not going to talk about it, please. Why would we talk about something so dumb? And the FBI responded to the revelations from the Twitter files that the federal law enforcement agency, of course, worked literally to brand Hunter Biden's laptop as Russian disinformation. You know what they came out and said? I'll read this lame response to you. The correspondence between the FBI and Twitter show nothing more than examples of our traditional, longstanding and ongoing federal government and private sector engagements, which involve numerous companies over multiple sectors and industries. As evidenced in the correspondence, the FBI provides critical information to the private sector in an effort to allow them to protect themselves and their customers. The men and women of the FBI work every day to protect the American public. It is unfortunate that conspiracy theorists and others are feeding the American public misinformation with the sole purpose of attempting to discredit the agency. You notice what they didn't say in that lame response? Hmm? What they didn't say was that it was wrong. They didn't say, they didn't deny it. You notice how they didn't deny anything? They didn't, they didn't turn around and say, no, 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 what, everything Twitter's saying is a bunch of BS. No, they didn't say any of those things. All they said was, once again, how dare you besmirch the hardworking men and women of the FBI? We're just trying to protect you, you conspiracy kooks. There are actual screenshots of FBI communications with Twitter employees asking them to censor people. But that's a conspiracy theory, even though it happened. The FBI does not deny that it had Hunter Biden's laptop since December 2019. The FBI doesn't deny that it told Twitter that a hack and leak involving Hunter may occur in October 2020. The FBI doesn't deny that it was spying on Rudy Giuliani when he gave a copy of the laptop hard drive to the New York Post. The FBI doesn't deny any of those things. As Glenn Greenwald put it, anyone who questions the FBI or finds it disturbing that they're partnering, quotes, with big tech on what should and should not be permitted to be said on the Internet is a hateful, crazy, unhinged, anti-American conspiracy theorist. It's kind of the game, though, isn't it? 
They if they can shout conspiracy and they can get other people to just zip it because nobody wants to be called a conspiracy theorist, even though pretty much every conspiracy that's come out in the last couple of years anyway has been proven true. The COVID lab leak conspiracy theory, remember that? Remember when Fauci called it a conspiracy theory? We know that that's true. I mean, all these things, but that's the game. If, if they can make the... Uh, just normal people in America, people that are not obsessed with politics like me, but people that are just normal people living their lives. If they can make them think it's just a conspiracy theory, well, they don't want to be called a conspiracy kook, so they just go, ah, that thing's a conspiracy. And that's what they do. They go, what, what do you believe, the moon landing was fake next, huh? Kennedy, Kennedy was uh, killed by the CIA? Well, what's wrong with you, you kook? And if you... And, and if you don't like what the FBI was doing in trying to silence the American people, help a presidential candidate, and defeat the sitting president of the United States of America. You are besmirching the hard-working women of the FBI who are just trying to keep you safe. Jonathan Turley, Professor Jonathan Turley, tweeting out, it is not clear what is more chilling, the menacing role played by the FBI in Twitter's censorship program or its mendacious response to the disclosure of that role. This week saw another FBI nothing-to-see-here statement on the Twitter files. Now, obviously, this is, this is what the government wants you to do, which is to sit down and kneel before it and worship it and say, thank you. Thank you for keeping us all safe. Whatever you need, take my liberty, take my speech, just keep me safe so I don't get blown up by a terrorist. And then they also play that little game where they go, you know... Not for nothing, but you haven't died. So obviously what we're doing is working. <laughs> Wait, what? Well, I mean, we haven't had another 9-11, so obviously what we're doing is working. So why don't you stop being critical, all right? Why don't you stop being mean to us? You're the only reason you're, we're the only reason you're alive today. You go, well, how, 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 how does that even make any sense? But we have become so conditioned, unfortunately, to... You know, bow before them that it almost I, I've heard people this week justify by saying, you know, I, I can't believe I have to say this, but really the FBI is compromised. And I never thought I'd have to say this. And it pains me to say this and blah, blah, blah. Dude, it's been there all along. I mean, all you had to do was look back to what the Church Commission came out and said in the 1970s. I mean, the Church Commission came out and brought all this to light back then. And there were really flimsy reforms, and there were flimsy reforms that accomplished nothing, and it's, it's all been happening. And whatever warnings were put out there about the FBI, about the CIA, the, the intelligence community, all those things. I mean, Dwight Eisenhower warning about the military-industrial complex, Church warning, and Eisenhower also warning about the national health-industrial complex, too, big health. You know, but we become so conditioned that we just think they're all the, the good guys. And so when the good guys are engaged in this stuff, it, it, it pains us to the core to call them out because they're supposed to be the only thing standing between us and, and the terrorists bombing up a, a, a mall or something. And when, as long as we submit like that, as long as we turn around and we, and, and we reach that Faustian bargain with them, they can do anything they want. They'll, and they'll just get away with it. And obviously, as what you see in the omnibus bill, they will get away with it because they're just going to get more money. Because there are so many people, sadly, who are Republicans, you know, the party that I vote for, who are all in on that. And so they, they, they are so afraid to be critical of them. And then 
the intelligence community knows this and they turn around and, I, and I've used this this analogy before. They've become self-actualized. They become self-aware. It's it's when it's like when technology, artificial intelligence becomes self-aware and then turns on its owner, turns on its creator. It's when the robots kill everybody in the movies. I mean, that's what's happening now with the intelligence community. The bureaucracy is is so powerful in there. They know they can do whatever they want. And there's no ramifications for them. Nobody got in trouble for the Russian dossier. Nobody got in trouble for the phony Russian collusion nonsense. Nobody got in trouble for for anything they did. Nobody. And so when they do that, and Congress doesn't even have the cojones to turn around and cut their funding until they're reformed, why would they stop? They know they can do it. They know they can get away with it. And all they got to do is just say, how dare you? How dare you challenge the reputation of these hardworking men and women who are just trying to keep you safe? And that's all they have to say. And that'll be enough for these people like Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger and Lindsey Graham and these others to just go along with it and say, all right, well, then what do you need? You need, you need a new headquarters? Sure, we'll build you new headquarters. No problem. We'll make it even easier for you to, uh, to uh, get involved in politics. Oh, we'll make it even easier for you. We'll give you new, new computers, too. We'll give you fancy new, whatever tech you need. We, we, we got you. We got you. But we're going we're gonna to go on Fox News and say mean things about you. But understand that that's just what we're going to say. We don't really mean it. Because if we meant it, we would actually put your funding on hold. And we would demand transparency. So we don't really mean it. We're going to say those things, but we're not really going to do anything about it. And so, and so the bureaucracy knows this, and then the intelligence community bureaucracy knows this too, and they go, we can do anything we want. We can do anything we want. Nothing will happen to us. <laughs> we, they'll, that's why they'll probably be actively en- engaged in the next election in 2024, trying to make sure that whoever they want wins. It's really amazing, is it not? This is the Dana Show. It's me, Rich Zioli from WPHD in for Dana. we got a lot more to say. Don't go away. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Yes, it is the Quick Five, and the first thing is actually some breaking news, which is that the House of Representatives has just passed the horrible, no good, very bad omnibus bill. The Republican yes votes were Catco of New York, Jacobs of New York, Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania, shocking, Upton of Michigan, Davis of Illinois, Herrera, Butler of Washington, uh, Womack from Arkansas, Kinzinger, who was actually crying when he voted yes, Liz Cheney, and uh, there you go. So AOC was the only Democrat to vote no. I'll have more for you on this, of course, but it is now passed. And Nancy Pelosi has wished a happy Schwanza to all and to all a good night. Uh, yes, you know, a lot of Americans are actually leaving the country right now. According to a story I saw from Yahoo, many Americans are leaving the United States of America. Where are they going? Mexico. Believe it or not, people are leaving California for Mexico. So as people are trying to come into the country, people are also trying to get out of the country. Why? Because they can have an actually more affordable quality of life and be on basically the same peninsula as California, but not have to deal with Gavin Newsom. Sure, they may have to deal with the drug cartel, but at least they're not as tyrannical as Gavin Newsom is. So, you know, there's that. Uh, a lot of people have talked about Christmas movies this time of year, as you can imagine. One of the movies that has now been ranked the greatest Christmas movie of all time is A Christmas Story. I don't know if you saw, they they, they made a, 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 a remake, not a remake, but a, I guess a sequel of it, uh, which is on HBO Max. 
And Peter Billingsley, who was in The Christmas Story, talked about the frozen pole scene when he got his tongue stuck on it. I still maintain that Die Hard is a Christmas movie and still the greatest Christmas movie. Besides, it's a wonderful life, of course. Although my kids also love Elf. They really, really do love Elf. In fact, my son just said to me a short time ago, he said, Dad, can we watch a Christmas movie every night until Christmas? I said, sure, buddy. We'll watch one tonight and tomorrow night. You got it, pal. I, I also, too, the most libertarian Christmas movie, Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Because you remember that guy was the one who wanted to ban toys because he didn't like toys? Meister Brower, Browser Meister, whatever his name was. Yeah, check that one out. That's a, that's a very, very good one. Uh, so far, about uh, 900 flights in the United States of America have been canceled. They're saying this is going to be the coldest Christmas on record. Well, I tell you, that climate change is something, huh? This is why in the wintertime, they never call it global warming. Never. Because you can't have the coldest Christmas on record and then turn around and call it global warming with a straight face. The coldest Christmas on record now leaving 12,500 total flights canceled or delayed. Oh, my heart goes out to each and every one of those travelers. I hope you're not one of those people. Man, it's just a terrible, terrible thing. Uh, Sam Bankman freed the ex, the uh, the crypto bro S. BX, as they call him, has been freed on $250 million bail. Uh, who wants to make a bet that the uh, that money's not going to be paid up? I, I don't know. I'd, one thing I would say is uh, whoever works the security cameras in his jail cell, if you ever ask to go in the jail cell, um, you may want to do a background check on that guy. I'm just, uh, I'm just throwing that out there for you just a little bit. And, uh, you know, a Christmas toy bandit has struck Atlanta. And these people are always terrible. These people uh, stole from a Christmas nonprofit, a nonprofit in Atlanta this time of year. And they also said in America right now, porch pirates have taken millions of packages off of people's porches in this country. Porch pirates are absolutely the worst, but these people are also terrible. They stole from the empty stocking fund, which was there for to provide children who don't have the, the means to have actual toys. These people are f- stole their toys. They're terrible. You got to hope there's a hot place in hell for people like this, don't you think? Uh, and finally, here on our uh, Fast uh, Five from the uh, final day of the show today, one thing that I think we all can agree on is that there's going to be a whole lot of people stuck in airports watching CNN. And that's the only time people will be watching CNN as all those flights have been canceled. This is the Dana Show. It's me, Rich, in for Dana, coming right back. When you're stuck discussing politics with your friends, who's the most informed person in the group? Yep, you are. You're welcome. Listen, follow, subscribe. The Dana Show. Yes, it is the Dana Show, and it's me, Rich Zioli from WPHT in Philadelphia. Great to be with you on the Friday, Christmas Eve, Eve. Uh, Just a few moments ago, the $2 trillion omnibus just passed without a quorum. As Representative Dan Bishop put it on Twitter, any party withstanding can and should challenge its validity in a court of law. The Congress is a parody of itself. And again, the nine Republicans who voted for this monstrosity, Katko from New York, Jacobs from New York, Cheney from Wyoming, Fitzpatrick from Pennsylvania, Upton from Michigan, Davis from Illinois, Herrera Butler from Washington, Kinzinger from Illinois, Womack from Arizona, or, yeah, Arizona. All the provisions listed in this thread and more will now be signed into law. This is a couple things here I wanted to mention. The omnibus bill spends six-plus billion dollars a day. $250 $250 plus million dollars per hour. 
four plus million dollars per minute all until September 30th when we start the process all over again. That's something. So this is this is what just happened. And of course, the Republicans going along with this again, the frauds of Liz Cheney and Adam Kissinger. And I'm sure and I'm sure Liz Cheney, knowing her, she went along with this because of two things. Number one, more funding for the military, as you know. Those Cheneys, they do love that war stuff. And also, I guess it reforms the Electoral Count Act. And, you know, January 6th, so there you go. So despite the fact that, and, and also, too, a third reason, too. Cheney and Kinsinger probably did this because, and a lot of these Republicans did this, because they know that the Republicans are about to be in charge of the House, and they're worried about actual conservative spending priorities, so they want to make sure that they can, they can, they can kneecap them before they even come close to taking control. And of course, Title 42 is not back in here. And and this goes all the way until October of 2023. Even though the Republicans could start the budget process in January, and you could have done a couple of weeks of an extension on just to keep the government afloat if you wanted to, but it doesn't matter. This was about kneecapping conservative Republicans who were about to take over the House. Rand Paul just exposed seven of the most egregious ways the federal government has wasted your money. Would you like to hear this? $4.5 billion in improper small business loans. As part of the government's massive multi-trillion dollar stimulus efforts, the Small Business Administration gave out 44,920 loans that were likely ineligible and or fraudulent to the tune of $4.5 billion wasted. That's nearly 40% of the total loans given out. 40% were all fugazis. $140 million on a luxury spa in Florida. As part of its COVID-19 money spent, the federal government gave out bailout money for state and local governments like Candy on Halloween. It's perhaps unsurprising then that some of it went to truly absurd purposes like Broward County, Florida, spending $140 million of federal COVID relief money to build an 800-room luxury hotel overlooking the Atlantic Ocean that includes 30,000 square feet of pool decks, a rooftop bar, and even a 11,000 square foot spa and fitness center now here's the good news as a taxpayer you're entitled to one free drink at that rooftop bar now nah, i'm just kidding you don't get anything stop please stop 31.5 million dollars to help criminals buy luxury cars the federal government's covid19 benefit program were put together so hastily and with so few guardrails that they became a scammer's dream Senator Rand Paul highlights one glaring example of the runaway fraud. Criminals used $31.5 million in federal COVID relief money, much of which hasn't been recovered, to buy luxury cars including Corvettes, Porsches, Lamborghinis, and Ferraris. Oh, that's nice, huh? $210 million to improve education in Jordan. Where's Jordan? Oh, it's a Middle Eastern country, right? American schools are failing many students, but our federal government spent hundreds of millions of dollars trying to improve education in a random Middle Eastern country. That's right. According to Rand Paul's report, the Fed spent $210 million to build schools, improve the Ministry of Education, and much more, all in Jordan. $3 million injecting hamsters with steroids. The federal government has given Northwestern, Northeastern University more than $3 million to inject hamsters with steroids and watch them fight. Hamster fighting. I didn't have that in my uh, 2020 bingo card, did you? Hamster fighting. 
heard of cockfighting, obviously, and I've heard of, of uh, well, I mean, Little Jerry. Remember the, you know, the roosters fighting? But, yeah, but no, and uh, the hamster fighting is definitely a new one. Dog fighting, obviously, but $118,000 to study Thanos' finger snapping. Thanos is, of course, a, a villain in the Marvel universe. I'm a, I'm a fan of those movies. I actually watch them with my son. They're really cool. Not this new phase. It's terrible, but the original one's been... The federal government actually gave Georgia Tech more than $118,000 to study whether Thanos could have really snapped his fingers as he famously did in the 2018 movie Avengers Infinity War while wearing metal gloves. They concluded that this fictional scene was not, in fact, possible, answering a burning question at the top of millions of Americans' minds. Ugh. $1.7 billion to maintain empty buildings. The federal government is so incompetent that it can't even easily sell off unused properties. As a result, it has spent billions maintaining empty buildings. All in all, Rand Paul identified more than $482 billion in waste, which comes out to an astounding $3,300 per federal taxpayer. Would have been nice if we just got that money ourselves, right? Maybe we could have gone out and spent it and actually, I don't know, made some, made some money. Or, or helped other people make money I mean, going out to dinner, restaurants, vacations, whatever, just buying stuff. But come on. Now, in the state of New Jersey, I know that obviously Dana is a huge supporter of the Second Amendment. I wanted to mention this. Governor Phil Murphy, who acts like a king, an unaccountable king, signed a bill into law that is illegal. It is designed to make it so incredibly um, impossible to conceal carry a gun outside of your home. That's why they did this. Well, the good news is at least that there's a, there's going to be several lawsuits to this, but the New Jersey Official State Rifle and Pistol Association has sued to overturn the carry killer law, as they're calling it. The new law flagrantly and intentionally disrupts both the Second Amendment and the United States Supreme Court's Bruin decision upholding the right of honest citizens to carry firearms for personal protection. Now that New Jersey can no longer block the issuance of carry permits, the state is trying to, cha to change what it means to have a carry permit in the first place. The new law bans carry in most common public places, mandates non-existent liability insurance, and significantly increases permit fees to prevent lower-income citizens from exercising their rights. Quote from Executive Director Scott Bach, by signing this legislation, Governor Murphy has effectively ended any chance of ever being elected to higher office outside of New Jersey and has confirmed that the Constitution is indeed above his pay grade. You remember that time he said that to Tucker, right? During the early days of COVID when he had everything locked down and he said the Constitution was above his pay grade. Not only will this legislation go down in flames, but the Murphy administration will end up paying the very substantial legal costs of gun owners to bring it down. A restraining order is being sought immediately. Yeah, this, this bill is insane. For example, you can't carry it in a park. Anywhere there that's near a park or a playground. So now imagine like this. You're a battered wife or girlfriend, and your ex-boyfriend or husband's trying to kill you. You want to take your kids to the park, but you can't bring your firearm to a park in New Jersey where you would conceal carry it in case this creep showed up to try to hurt you because it's a park or a playground. So you've got to make a choice. If you think that your life's in danger, do you just stay home? Doesn't seem very fair to your kids. 
Can't bring it to a housing of wor- house of worship. Can't bring it to a polling place. So as you go to exercise your, your right to vote, you can't exercise your right to self-defense at that polling place. Very American, right? And there's all kinds of other provisions in the bill it designed in such a way that if you were to leave the home with your concealed carry and you even had to just pick up your kids from school, you would be breaking the law. If you were to drive your kids to baseball practice and it happened to be in a playground or near a park, you'd be breaking the law. It's designed to make it so that you never leave the house with your firearm so that they can effectively keep in place a ban on concealed carry. Because up until the Supreme Court ruled in that New York case that it was absolutely wrong of the states to make these laws so incredibly cumbersome, New Jersey vowed to just spit in the eye of the Supreme Court and say, we're going to do it anyway. We're going to do it anyway. Having lost the ability to suppress the fundamental right to bear arms in public through its now dead and buried justifiable need requirement, New Jersey has shifted gears and has made a permit to carry a handgun utterly useless. New Jersey has passed a new law which allows a permit holder to carry almost nowhere in the state. They simply changed their approach from one unconstitutional law that allowed no one to carry to another unconstitutional law that allows basically no one to carry anywhere. Notwithstanding the clear ruling of the United States Supreme Court, New Jersey simply does not want ordinary people to carry handguns in public, as is their fundamental right to do so. Now, this guy, John Kean, John McKean, he's a jerk. He said one of the most racist things I've ever heard in my life. When he said the following before the Assembly Judiciary Committee, when he was testifying this, he actually said this, quote, Do you really, do either of you, does anybody really want to put more guns in the hands of people that live in Patterson and Newark and Elizabeth and Camden? Those are some uh, cities in New Jersey that happen to have populations that are largely black or and or Hispanic. And that jerk actually said that. He's a Democrat, though. He gets away with that kind of racism. You're the one of these black people in Camden, New Jersey, having, having uh, more, more guns. Yeah, they're, they're living in high-crime areas, and they're law-abiding citizens, and they want to be able to protect themselves and their family. The criminals don't care. The criminals are going to have the guns in Patterson, Newark, Elizabeth, and Camden, and every other deranged leftist city in America. But the, it's the law-abiding people that also live in those cities who may, yes, be black. Or, or Hispanic, who may want to protect their children and, them, and, and themselves. Imagine that, these monsters. This bill is so comprehensive in where it bans the carry of handguns that the primary bill sponsor, Assemblyman Joe Danielson, was asked by his colleague, Assemblywoman Victoria Flynn, at a committee hearing where you could, where could a person carry her handgun? The answer is, quote, this is what the Assemblyman said, the sponsor of the bill, quote, my job is not to tell you where guns can go. (laughs) His job is to tell you where guns can't go, which is basically everywhere. Now, remember, the Supreme Court ruled unequivocally that the people have a fundamental right to carry handguns in public most of the time and in most places subject only to exceptional circumstances. But New Jersey refuses to accept that. And this is what wacko lefty blue states like New Jersey and wacko kings like Phil Murphy do, which is they say, we don't care what the Supreme Court says. We refuse to recognize this as a right. They, they, they will fight like hell to make sure that you can have abortion on demand at any moment, anywhere, even though that 
quote-unquote right is not in the Constitution, but an actual right that is in the Constitution, the Second Amendment, they want to make sure that you can't enjoy that right anywhere. This is the Dana Show. It's me, Rich Zioli, in for Dana. We'll be right back. Your one-stop shop for the information you need to fight back. If you're going to have to learn stuff, you might as well enjoy it. The Dana Show. Strong bipartisan I vote. Yield back the balance of my time and wish everyone a happy, healthy, and safe New Year. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Schwanza. Happy Hanukkah. Whatever it is you celebrate, be safe. Thank you, Mr. Schwanza, everybody. Well, yeah, that's, of course, uh, Nancy Pelosi. Now, in fairness to her, it's not often I defend her, but they did celebrate Schwanza in Transylvania in the year 300. So she just forgets that not many people know that, but uh, kind of obscure. But, you know, clearly Pelosi was around for that. Anyway, happy Schwanza to you and your, your family. And, you know, we'll be doing the airing of grievances for Schwanza and my family tonight, of course. Obviously, duh. All right. Well, uh, as we get ready to uh, say thank you for listening to The Dana Show with me today, anyway, I um, hope you have a wonderful, actual, real holiday this year and not a made-up one like Schwanza. But anyway, a uh, couple other things I wanted to mention before I end the show today. All right. And that is this. Um, and this is the thing we are watching right now as the Republican party has completely surrendered, completely surrendered to the Democrats and we got nothing for it. It's just a massive omnibus bill. They just put through a massive omnibus bill and literally the only good thing in this entire thing is the fact that we're, we're not going to do gain-of-function research anymore and fund the Wuhan Institute of Virology. That's it. Everything else in this bill is a, is a monstrosity and a disgrace. And there's no reason this should have passed. But think of the, uh, of the people that voted for this. You know, whether it's Lindsey Graham or it's Adam Kissinger or, Kinsinger or it's Liz Cheney, it is this, this caucus of Republicans that really do love the big old darn deep state. Do they not? They love it, and they, 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 they don't want to rein it in. Please. Yeah, because this bill doesn't rein it in. This bill makes it more powerful. So that's what happens. And I'm sitting back here looking at all this like you are right now. Completely, my mind is boggled when the Republican cavalry is about to take over the House in a matter of, of, of days, really. But then again, that's probably the reason why. I think Mitch McConnell hates conservatives. I, I, I think Cheney does. I think Kinzinger does. I think all these people really do. And the idea that conservatives are about to potentially take over the House of Representatives is something that they can't stomach. I mean, Jim Jordan, they hate him. And for him to have oversight and oversight powers over all of these various deep state actors, and the best way to achieve oversight is what? It is by controlling the purse strings. Well, that's something that doesn't make Mitch McConnell happy. He doesn't want that. Mitch doesn't want that. He obviously wants to make sure that you and I and everybody else, uh, we're in the dark on all this stuff. So instead of, of saying, well, we'll fund the government for two weeks and then we'll let the Republicans take over things. No, we're, 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 we're turning around, turning around right now as we speak and saying we are going to make sure that we, you, me, everybody, lets them continue to get away with it. 
Because there's no, you can't have oversight if you don't control the purse strings. You can't have oversight if you can't control the purse strings. That's the bottom line. And that's what they want to do. They want to, they want to just kneecap these guys. So that's what we're watching happen right now. And, you know, it's, it's, it's frustrating, but it's not surprising. There's nothing surprising about anything that these people do. Really, nothing at all. Well, I hope you have a wonderful Christmas and New Year in Schwanza, you and your family. And uh, it's been a pleasure hanging out with you this afternoon. Please follow me on Twitter at Rich Zioli, R-I-C-H-Z-E-O-L-I. Keep in touch. You can hear me Monday through Friday from 3 to 7 p.m. on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD in Philadelphia, except today, because this is my last show of the year. And then I'm going to take some vacation with the family and enjoy the kids, and I wish you all the best as well. And thanks again to Dana for sending me the Black Rifle coffee. I'm fired up to drink some. That's going to be great. I'm excited for that. All right, enjoy. God bless. Happy New Year. Let's hope that 2023 is a little bit better since at least the Republicans will be taking over the House of Representatives. It's Rich signing off for Dana. This is The Dana Show. Thank you.